Welcome to another episode of the Reboot Chronicles, a no-holds-barred forum with global leaders, authors, entrepreneurs, and CEOs about how organizations stay focused on growth and innovation in unprecedented times. I'm your host, Dean DeBias, coming to you live from Revive's North American headquarters in Chicago, and we would like to thank you for joining us from around the globe today. I'd like to welcome Wayne Griffiths to the Reboot Chronicles. He is the CEO of Seat and Cupra, the newest and fastest growing EV challenger brand that we're going to talk about today. Very exciting. Launched in 2018. They've tripled sales um, up till about 2021. And I think they're just getting started with partners like Volkswagen and others. They are committing billions of dollars to electrify Spain, Europe and beyond. A rebel with a cause, Wayne has been rebooting the EV market for a while, and it looks like um, he's going to take Cooper to the next level, electrifying the company, launching three new electrified models, which you want to hear about, and with the goal of selling uh, over 500,000 cars a year. So, Wayne, it's good to see you. No, great to speak to you as well. Here from uh, Barcelona in our headquarters here in the middle of uh, downtown Barcelona in uh, Paseo de Gracia, Diagonal, right in the center of the city. Beautiful. I love it when companies commit to the heart of the city. We, uh, being a Chicago civic uh, leader, we do that a lot. We've, we have so many brands that have moved back downtown. It's just, it just brings life back to the city. Um, you know, before we jump into the company, because everybody wants to know, especially the car people on the, on the, uh, listening in or watching the, um, you've kind of been branded as a rebel with a cause. And, um, you know, we've had a lot of what we call badass women on this program. Self-labeled, <laughs> I didn't label them that, and um, and they are uh, CEOs, and um, but not too many people who say you know they're kind of like badass men. But I would put you in that category, so <laughs> which is great. Um, great interview in the CEO magazine, and uh, I'm just curious where that came from. The rebel with the cause. No, I mean we, we're trying to do something totally new here and challenge the convention, uh, the conventional and the status quo. Cupra brand is for a new generation of car lovers. Um, so I think we, we as, as leading the, this, this company, I had to set a, a profile, but I didn't just want to be the rebel to just provoke, just to provoke or antagonize a system, but to do it for something positive. And, and the cause I have is, is basically twofold. It's one, to give this company a future mm-hmm. in an automotive industry that's at risk of disappearing if we don't transform really fast. Could If we don't reboot, as you say, really, really fast, they, uh, from building combustion cars to electric cars, then we won't be here in the future. So electrifying the company on the one hand, and at the same time, creating a brand new brand in the car industry at a time when brands are disappearing, our new brand, Cupra. Uh, and that's my my cause, basically, electrifying the company and, and launching a brand new uh, brand into the, into the car market, Cupra. I love that. Perhaps we can touch on passion and uh, purpose and cause towards the end. We good to hear some inspirational stories for the audience. I, um, you know, I teach at Kellogg Northwestern this whole program about finding your purpose. But with companies, for people, but with companies, I I often make fun of the big dogs um, that they have uh, what I call BFS. They get big, they get fat, they get slow, and billions of dollars. But what happens is that connected tissue in the middle, which is a relevance of security and decline. And you're seeing that in a lot of car brands and some have come and gone and some have been bought out over the years because of that and they lose the edge. But it seems like everyone is trying to catch up and jump into this and say that they're being, you know, the next generation EV. But, you know, at the heart is this is still a a very much a a fossil fuel driven industry for 
for quite some time. So I, 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 I really uh, applaud that. And, and it seems like um, Volkswagen has made a smart investment here. We, we call this separating from the mothership where you can be left alone and do what you have to do, but just have tremendous resources. Um, I think you announced something like the F3 program. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, future, uh, F3 stands for Future Fast Forward. It's, I think, the biggest and most ambitious industrial investment uh, Spain as a country has ever seen. Uh, in total, uh, mobilizing 10 billion euros together with SEAT, the Fontan Group, our power co for the, the battery factory and, and our suppliers here in Spain to mm-hmm. put a total of 10 billion to change uh, the, the, the whole of the car industry actually in Spain from a, a car industry that for the last 50, 60, 70 years has been building combustion cars to an industry that from 2025 will be building electric cars. So we want to have our factory here in, in Matarel, but also the Volkswagen factory in Pamplona, building small electric cars from, from 2025 onwards. And at the same time, have a battery plant in, in, in Valencia to provide the, uh, the batteries for these cars. Right. And, and these cars, with by being small electric cars, they, they, they provide an answer to the whole question of accessibility to electromobility. You know, electric cars have come into the market from the top down, from the premium manufacturers and luxury manufacturers. And with our small battery electric vehicle platform, we want to democratize uh, electromobility for the masses. I love that. Um, so vertical integration, owning your own batteries versus importing them from uh, China is fascinating. By the way, Valencia, great tech town. That's where Revive has his, their R&D headquarters. So uh, I think it's a, actually a smart location. Um, and, a, and a great potential of, of renewable energy, by the way. I mean, here in Spain, I'm here now. I mean, uh, the sun shines here almost every day. So we have right, right. a potential in, in this country, I think, an untapped potential in Spain of, of renewable energy that you know, that makes the whole equation work. <laughs> I have some friends that live in Spain and they always want to come uh, to the States and meet me at my Florida house. And I always show them what the weather is in Spain. I'm like, why are you here? It's beautiful where you live. <laughs> They're like, we yeah. like Florida. I'm like, okay, whatever. Hey, um, speaking of more inspiration, because I, I love your story. Uh, you seem to get a lot of inspiration from, from uh, David Bowie. What, um, what's that all about? Yeah, I think David Bowie for me. I'm okay. I'm 56, so I grew up with Bowie, yeah. um, with his music, going to his concerts. I mean, I, I was born in the UK. I went uh, born in Manchester, went to university at Leeds University, uh-huh. left to go and work in Germany. A bit like Bowie when Bowie left to go and live in Berlin for a while. So I, I you know, I, I went to work in Germany for the Volkswagen Group at Audi for many years, and came here to Spain. And I think what inspires me about Bowie, and, and I think is a good inspiration for our brand. Cooper, so he was always capable to be uh, to reinvent himself and Completely. to be contemporary and and to surprise people i mean one of his is one of my favorite uh, uh, you know sayings of his i don't know where i'm going from here but i promise you it's not going to be boring <laughs> uh, was one of them the other thing is his changes now yesterday i, I won a prize here in, in spain for being the protagonist of the year in the car industry and the guys from the media played uh, the music from Bowie changes. And music goes to turn and face the strange, just change it. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, so change it and turn and face the strange. And don't be afraid of, of the change. And uh, exactly. Bowie never was. He always redefined himself. So I think he's a source of inspiration for us. That's fascinating. He's a source of inspiration for you and the company. So you had parallel paths. You actually went to the same places. I hope you guys met at one time. But also your company. I mean, he basically broke the mold and gave permission to the next generation of artists to be much more provocative as you are doing with the car industry. 
Um, let, let's jump into that. Let's make some fun of all the other players. So I look at a Tesla these days, and I hope yeah. this doesn't affect our future guests coming on, but I just think they're incredibly boring on the outside, whereas your lineup is incredibly stylish and sexy, if I may say. Um, so, you know, how does that, um, is that the major differentiator? Because I haven't looked inside your cars. I haven't driven them, but you literally have done, and now I see American car makers basically taking the same models they already had and just making them look sexy and putting a plug in, but they're not completely hybrid or completely plug in. Um, so is, is, I guess the question really is your differentiation compared to a Tesla, but actually it's going to be a bigger market. Everyone likes to make fun of them because they were the first ones out and a big leader, but everyone will be in it. So how do you, how do you make your edge in the market now versus, you know, five years from now? No, I think you've discovered one of our key elements. It is our design. Yes. The design created in this fantastic city of Barcelona. It's no coincidence that we reconnected uh, with the city where we're from. Right. Barcelona is a design city. It's a very young city, very optimistic. There's great architecture everywhere all around you. Our designers work here. We, I have a design department next to my office here where I am now of designers working here in the city center and not in our factory uh, f uh, 50 kilometers from here. So we have our designers down here in town as well, being inspired by the, this fantastic city. And um, our, yeah, our design, wants, we want to be provocative. We want to do cars that not perhaps everybody like, uh, but that some people love. So when I go to a design presentation and everybody quite, kind, kind of like, yeah, we quite like this, then, then I know we're probably wrong. Right. Uh, and what I like, in uh, particularly um, the, when we do a design that, that, that divides the people, and I think if you want to stand out, then, then that's what you have to do. You don't do cars that, just to please everybody, to take some risks. So hmm. our cars in their design are very, very sporty and very unique, iconic, particularly the Cupra Formentor, but the Cupra Urban Rebel. Right. So that's one part of the emotional story, making cars sexy and emotional, as, as you say, because we believe even in an electric area that cars don't have to be rational and boring, but can be emotional. And the second element then that we bring in is the driving and the, the driving experience. We make cars to be driven by the driver. We don't make cars that are democratic for everybody sat in the car. So we don't do uh, screens for everybody in the car. We do everything around the driver. I love that. It's his car, it's for him to drive and for him to enjoy and for him to be connected with the street and having an emotional experience, not only with the car that looks, but the, the way the car drives. So when you do a, uh, gonna get geeky here, a Harvey Ball analysis, which compares different cars features to the others, do you, you probably rate very high on brand experience um, or whatever you want to call it, but in-car yep. experience, um, affinity to the car, kind of like Cooper. I think you threw that in there and mentioned it. Um, the, uh, I think you have something, um, some type of uh, a group, I can't remember what it was called. It's uh, kind of an affinity group that um, uh, is evolving around your brand. Is it too early to actually have that where you've got... You know, I hold no, we, I mean, we have the Cooper Tribe, but we call the Cooper Tribe. Um, Cooper Tribe, that was see, it. thank you. Yeah, the Cooper Tribe. And the Cooper Tribe is, is the people, I, mean, I suppose I'm the tribal leader, but the people <laughs> who created this brand, who are defending this brand, who, who shares a similar values, who want to change yeah. the conventional. And, and that tribe goes from the people who are working at the company to the people we associate ourselves with. So we have some people in the sports world. We have actors. We have other people that associate with the brand that, that share our values. And this tribe is growing more and more, and I think we're becoming more and more relevant. Um, 
because we, we want to stand out because we stand for something. We don't want to stand out because we're prestigious or luxury or a, or a status symbol or a, or a sign that you have money or you've made it or you're successful. We want to stand out because we're unique and different. And we believe for a, a new generation of, of car lovers who are going to want to drive something, a different brand than their parents or grandparents drove. Yeah, many of the big car brands went through that and uh, Oldsmobile, Buick, all that stuff, not your father's car. Um, I love that because everything you just rattled off is exactly how automobile and other whatever expensive luxury type of goods. That is how they kind of rate and market themselves. It's all about, you know, especially something like a Cadillac, like the status, like you made it. And it's like, I don't care if I made it. I want to, I want to have fun in a, in a vehicle or I just want to get my kids to school. I mean, it's, um, so when you look at the markets, I think you just are uh, uh, moving are you moving beyond Spain into Europe and places like Australia and others? Yeah, I mean, with Cooper, we believe we have a, a genuine opportunity of creating a global brand made in Spain. With our, our initial brand and our company-owned brand, Seat, in the past it was very successful in Spain, very successful in Germany and Europe. Right. It was quite difficult to go global with a, a brand with the name SEAT, S-E-A-T, Sociedad Española Automobiles Turismos. Yeah. You know, uh, that name is quite a difficult as a brand name for, for international markets and also the positioning of the brand. And we believe that with this disruption to electric cars, it's allowing new brands uh, to um, come into the market. And at the same time, as I said, a generation of, of customers out there looking for new answers and, and, and new brands. So I think, um, you know, that was the opportunity we wanted to grasp. I looked at some of your product roadmap. I, I think my favorite, probably because I am one, is the Urban Rebel. I definitely want one of those. Yeah. That looks cool. Can you tell us about it? Yeah, that's going to be our game changer, I think, because we, we're yeah. developing the car here. It's our on the small BEF, on the small battery electric platform. It's going to help democratize electromobility for a lot more people because it will be the entry price range. Um, but a car that's great, that's emotional, sexy, a great fun to drive. Uh, it's going to be not only developed here in Spain, but also produced here in Spain in, in, in our factory in Matarell. And it's going to be... It's a key future success car for, for, for our company. Is, is, it a, is it a mini SUV? What is it? It's not an SUV. No, it's an urban vehicle. So four meter long uh, with a great design oh. inspired by motorsport. Yeah. Uh, but on the same platform as well, the other Volkswagen Groom brands will be doing um, SUV designs and other models that we will also be producing here in, 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 in Spain for the, for the Volkswagen Group. Got it. Yeah, so you can kind of... Uh benefit the mothership as well. So can, exactly. can Cooper be considered a reboot of Seat? Is that kind of what you've been through the last few years? I think it can be a reboot for, for our company and not for the Seat brand. Seat will always remain right. as the brand it is for, for, the, for, the, for the young customers in, in the entry part of the market. Cooper is something new, but it, it will create a reboot for our company and a change in the mindset and is leading us to transform the whole company. Not only in terms of, of, of organization structure to build electric cars, but also in terms of mindset and culture. Mm -hmm. I think that's what we're seeing here. Cupra, people becoming more and more part of this, this tribe themselves. And, and that's a process that, that starts with a few believers and then gets bigger and bigger and stronger and stronger. And, and doesn't only stay within our company, it goes to our dealers and outside to our customers. So I think it could, the whole thing could become a real movement.
Yeah, I like that. What's been what are, what's been some of the um, the challenge along the way? What have you been struggling with in terms of re- you're you're rebuilding a company, but also a sector? Quite frankly, I mean, the sector is not really yet invented. So you're you're paving new business models, all types of things. Um, no shortage of stuff on your plate. But how do you, if you were to distill it down to some reboot lessons, what uh, what have you struggled with, and what have you learned? And what can we learn? The from vertigo, that? I think, managing the <laughs> vertigo. I mean, when when you're in the middle of this transformation <laughs> with all this risk, and then in the biggest crisis that any of us have seen in our lifetime, you or me. I mean, COVID, yeah. uh, the semiconductor shortage, the war in Europe now in the Ukraine with Russia, the energy crisis that is on its way, the inflation we're going to see, and all these crises. And at the same time, the biggest transformation that there's so much risk about, it does give you a vertigo. But I think that's what we have to try and manage as managers and know that we're going to be responsible of making the right decisions now that we're not going to harvest. I will be somewhere else in in, in 10 years' time. I, I probably won't be in this job. But the decisions I make today will be very relevant whether this company is still here in 10 years' time. And, and they're difficult decisions. Some of them are quite risky decisions, particularly around how fast electrification will happen, launching a new brand. But if we don't make them, the worst thing is not to take these decisions because then the the alternative is that you will disappear anyway. And so I think that's what helps you get through the vertigo and and, and the the fear of so much change in in such a changing environment on top is that uh, as long as you're doing your best, uh, then then, you you can't do any more. And by not doing that, then you would fail anyway. Yes. Um, business vertigo is a, uh, is a nice term. I uh, was just writing an article in Forbes about um, how most CEOs um, of public companies, mostly not so much private, but they can't play the long game. They have to meet the quarter. They have to deal with everything you just rattled off on that checklist. And that's Ooh. before lunch, for gosh sakes. So I like that you guys are taking the long game. It's very uh, refreshing and real, but you're also very much focused on today. You need to ship and you need to build a dealer network. You need to expand in other countries. You need to get to half a million cars a year. Tell us about that. We uh, need to be profitable. Tactic. Yeah, we need to yeah, we need to make money. Oh, and you need to make money. As well. <laughs> and we need to make money to generate the, the <laughs> cash to pay the investments. And and that in an environment where there's no semiconductors, where right. there's shortage of supply, where we're having to close a plant many days because we, we, we don't have the components to build the car. So it is, a, it is a challenge making this big, huge investment for the future, generating the cash flow out of today's business, out of the out of the combustion cars, in an environment that's hit by one crisis after the next. So, I mean, you could see that the crisis is making things a lot more difficult. I see them as accelerators. Without these crises, we would be making the big, uh, ambitious uh, steps we're already making today in these decisions. I think... Yeah, when like everything's making going your own well, then you uh, go slow. Everything's going well, you go slow. When things go really bad, then you have to go really fast. And you start accelerating a lot of things that you would have done a lot later, you have to do tomorrow. Exactly. Um, that's part of that irrelevance, obscurity, and decline that usually happens when you're comfortable. When you're uncomfortable, you accelerate. Mm-hmm. So let's unpack that a little bit because mm-hmm. underneath the covers, you're really a technology company. There's so much technology embedded in the platform of a car these days. Is it almost like you're running two cultures, two different companies? I mean, you're design-led. You have to have a manufacturing group. You have gazillions of OEMs coming in, I know. But you're also a tech company. What, what's that like? 
Yeah, we are a tech company. We were a tech company, part of one of the the, the biggest car manufacturer in the world, Volkswagen, uh, with all the engineers we have and all the platforms and technologies that we can share across these fantastic brands of the Volkswagen Group. That gives us synergies and, and scale. Uh, but we have our own competence here. We're the only fully-fledged car manufacturer in Spain with its own design company, with its own engineers. So we tend to specialize on the stuff we do really good. So we're very good on the design. We're very good on, on the sporty applications. Uh, but the main technology platforms, for instance, the small BEV platform, that, that comes from the strength of the Volkswagen Group. Right. And tell us a little bit about the relationship with the, with the mothership. How does that uh, how's it work? Yeah, I, I mean, Volkswagen Group is, is, is a big organization. I think it was a challenge to establish a new brand like Cupra and, yep. and you know, coming in with, with 10 other of, I don't know how many iconic brands already existing in the group. So at, at the beginning, we were a bit of a submarine. <laughs> uh, so we kept underwater and, um, did, and, didn't ask, and didn't ask for the permission, uh, didn't ask for permission, stayed off the radar. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, we're, we're too big and we're on the radar, but I think we're getting support because we're adding a value within that group. If we don't bring something additional to the party that the other brands can't do, then, you know, the Volkswagen group wouldn't need us. And I think the fact that we are the only contemporary new brand in the Volkswagen group that can compete to these other new brands that are going to come in anyway, that are coming in from China or from the U.S. brands like uh, Tesla, Neo, Lucid, right. Polestar, all the, all the newcomers there, they're going to be taking away some of the market and you either have a competitor for them, a contemporary competitor, or you could end up losing. So I think that's what our role is going to be in the group. And that's what we can bring to the party. Makes sense. I mean, it seems like it's two things you're running on their platform. So you don't have to redo chassis and all that stuff. Um, yeah. Maybe for now. Uh, so they're, you know, giving you a lot of things and you are actually pushing back all the latest technology and things that you're developing from scratch at some of them, as yeah. you say, and through a partner network of, of uh, OEM suppliers that, they're probably not used to accelerating that kind of innovation. So do you see it as a two-way street? Like you need to feed, we call it feed the beast, right? Where you're actually pushing a lot of it back to their product development groups and getting their roadmaps back on track. Yeah, I think on, on a technological point of view, we, we're very fast. I mean, we we did Cooper here within four years. The brands existed four years. So because we're small, we are like the, the speedboat. So we can uh, try here a lot faster. We have a lot smaller structure. So I think that ma- that makes us faster. But not only on the technological side, it's this customer side, bringing customers into the Volkswagen Group, younger customers. The customers at Cooper are generally a generation younger than the average of the other brands in the group, a generation. I'm talking about 15 years. Right. So we are bringing younger younger customers into the into the group that then later can go to other fantastic brands of, uh, of our group. Yeah, younger customers, probably younger, younger employee base too, especially in Spain. Uh, as a as a as a tech uh, tech company, what do you see as the biggest challenge? I guess this is a loaded question and probably too much inside baseball. But having been the CEO of AutoWeb and you know been one of the pioneers in the uh, in the competitive uh, shopping space, it's like the old dealer network in some countries is just is just what it is. It's an old concept and uh, very powerful lobbying group here in the United States, anyway. But the um, do you are you are you basically setting up your own dealers like a Tesla move? Or are you just combining and adding it where other, you know, Volkswagen dealerships are or, or competitors? 
No, we're going the new way as well with distribution. Because we're starting from scratch, we don't have that problem. So we don't have that heritage. We're using our seed base of dealers and the Volkswagen Group investors as a base, but we've gone already directly to a new sales model. So for instance, in Europe, we have an agency model, which is a direct sales model. We invoice the car to the, the final customer, yeah, and the dealer good. is an agent in that relationship. We're doing new type of city, downtown city stores, Cooper City Garage, we call them. They're not the big classical dealerships, more like a brand experience center. And if we were to look at markets like the U.S., and certainly we would be going in a more direct sales uh, point of view. We've just gone to Australia, and we yep. launched in Australia before the summer. Right. And we went there with the direct sales model as well, um, digital, online, totally revolutionary for the Australian market, something totally new. So starting from scratch, it allows you to do these things that you would, you'd want to do in an existing model, but you would have to negotiate uh, with a lot of existing dealers to try and uh, transform into that so we can go fast. Very, very refreshing. Keeps the cost down a little bit for the consumer too, in terms of markups? Yeah. No, definitely because because you don't have these big investments in, in in physical big dealerships okay we 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 also use a benefit i think one of our biggest you know competitive advantages against a lot of other new brands coming in is that we we have a service network that exists that's this is important when a, when a, you know car brands it's not like selling shoes online or whatever no. you, you know you need a dealer <laughs> network and a network behind it who can fix the cars who can provide the test drives who can do the service and being part of the Volkswagen group and with the Volkswagen and Audi dealer networks ac across the world we try when we go to a market is, is use that solid base and physical coverage of the of the country to to provide the service best of both worlds that's why i asked that's that's yeah. fascinating. You know, it's, it's great to see your story. I mean, you, like um, many of my friends, grew up in a car dealership family. I mean, this is in your blood. And you, um, I know after you uh, worked for your dad at the uh, dealership, you uh, went on to Audi. And did you ever leave the car industry and come back? I always love people that bring in other models from other industries. No, I've got, I think I, up to now I've had, uh, uh, what do you say, uh, petrol in my blood. <laughs> uh, soon I'll be having batteries and lithium probably in my blood. I wouldn't but, guess um, that. No, it seems, it seems but, like you worked <laughs> in Silicon Valley with me for a while because you, you're much <laughs> more rounded. It's, for someone who yeah. is a, a baby boomer, you're definitely, it's almost like you spend a little time in the tech industry. No, I spent uh, the, the period. Audi went so fast. I mean, transforming the Audi brand, making helping Audi to become a you know one of the leading premium brands was a fantastic experience. I've been here for six years now, and my thirty-five years in the industry have flown by. And um, no, there was never an alternative for me. I've, I've grown up with cars, and I think they'll always be part of my life. And all the scenarios now that you know we discuss with with um, city mayors, and you know cities without cars and a carless world is for me. Not a scenario I really, you know, find that attractive. We may end up being there, you know, with autonomous electric cars in the future. The, the amount of personal owned cars would go down. But I think cars will will always play a, a, a key yeah. role in people's life. Even this, this discussion, there's a generation of people out there now who only want to buy mobility and use mobility and that are not, they don't even want a driving license. I still speak to a lot of young people that, that really get excited by by cars, a great design or a great car to drive. So that's what, yeah. perhaps yeah. I'm... One of the old school, but I, that's what I love doing. Yeah, all that is decades away. And a lot of people say that on the news. And it's a small, you know, it's a small group that's, that's saying mm -hmm. that. People people love mobility, whatever it is. You know, I was in L.A. the other day and 
rented a little scooter and almost killed myself. But uh, I just, whenever I, get, whenever I get into urban areas, I always rent a scooter and uh, probably shouldn't anymore. It's just, um, it's not a smart thing. Too many cars mixed with scooters. But anyway, um, the whole urban, uh, I think that's probably going to be another pivot for you guys as you, you know, invent, you know, urban types of vehicles. And there's already a couple startups doing that, you know, more mass, more mass shared ride kind of stuff. But, you know, just, um, um, Wayne, really want to thank you for joining us on the Reboot Chronicles. I'd love to hear just a quick story about, you know, how you kind of literally you've rebooted a couple of companies now. It's amazing what you've done. How about yourself? Any, uh, any stories along the way that would help kind of the aspiring lot of founders, entrepreneurs, corporate people listen to this program, corporate people want to go out and start their own thing. Founders are always looking for advice and, and help and inspiration, which you've clearly provided so far. But what about you personally? Any reboot, uh, uh, pivots in there? No, my, probably my reboot was, you know, I was quite comfortable at, at Audi and very successful yeah. and had a, a, a great career there and did a lot. And I could have stayed there and, and, and enjoyed that success. But I decided here to, to come to Spain uh, to try and, and, and be part of saving this company here, Seat, giving it a new future, a future that's electric, a future that's Cupra. So that was probably from a content point of view, for me personally, as I just turned 50. So coming back to Barcelona, the first time I was in Barcelona, I was 25. So I came back 25 years later and I could have stayed in my comfort zone where I was in a nice German house in, in Munich and, and enjoyed the rest of my life. But I decided to, to go out and try and do something that you only have perhaps one, one chance in your life to do, to launch a new brand and, and, and try and, and, and save a company basically and give that company a future in, in an electric era. And that, that's my personal reboot and it's what motivates me. And I say a lot of the time, you know, I don't think it's by chance. I think a lot of this is destiny in, for me and too many coincidences. I mean, I was 25 the first time I came back here. I came exactly 25 years uh, later. <laughs> and I think a lot of this is just for me and what I was planned to do. I didn't know I was going to be launching a new brand when I came back here, and I didn't know I was going to be doing electric cars. So that, that's all come new, but, and that's helped to keep me young. I really yeah. has. If I'd have stayed where I was, I think I would have got perhaps old and boring, and now I've stayed a bit like um, David Bowie, reinvented myself, and know certainly that I might not always know where I'm going from here, but I know it's not going to be boring. Yeah, I love it. Um, Rebel with the cause. So 25 years ago, I bet you probably partaked in the uh, nightlife a lot, a lot more. The, uh, the Barcelona <laughs> right. nightlife is. Uh, You're right, oh but I still gosh, make the so same mistake. <laughs> yeah, I still make the same mistake now, though. 25 years later, that uh, I forget I'm not the 25 year old anymore. I'm now 56, and uh, I, I tend to suffer a few days, a uh, few days longer. All right there with you. Oh my gosh. Hey, that's where, that's where, that's where you're learning everything. It's like, you know, being out with everyone and, and understanding what, uh, what life's all about, staying connected to it. So love the brand, love what you're doing. And, uh, we will, uh, maybe someday be on site, check out one of your factories. That'd be fun. Yeah. Be great to have you here in Barcelona. You're always welcome to come and, yeah. come and meet the Cooper tribe. Yeah. Definitely want to meet the Cooper tribe. Thanks, Wayne. You've been listening to Wayne Griffiths, who's the uh, CEO of Seat, as well as Cooper Brand, and they are in uh, a, a company in a space that you really should watch. Uh, it's going to be an amazing uh, company to watch over the next five, ten years. This is Dean Tobias with the Reboot Chronicles. I want to thank you for joining us today, and we will see you soon. Mm-hmm.